Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that introduces you to some of the top talent in the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to No Password Required, a podcast dedicated to exploring the minds and personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Ernie Ferraresso, and with me, as always, Jack Clabby, a cybersecurity attorney at Carlton Fields, PA in Tampa, and Pablo Torres, a senior cloud security engineer at Second Watch. On the podcast today, we'll chat with Tasha Denos, a senior manager of cybersecurity analysis at Capital One, also known as the Cyber Whisperer. Tasha spends much of her free time inspiring the next generation through her involvement with Black Girls in Cyber, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing cybersecurity industry awareness and diversity in cybersecurity, privacy, and STEM for women of color. Tasha, we look forward to a great conversation. But first, hello to my co-hosts, Jack and Pablo. Gentlemen, hello and good day. Hey, good day to you, Ernie. How's everybody doing? Good day, good day, gentlemen. I, I'm doing quite well over here. How are you guys doing? Oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to break a little bit of news. I'm uh, just getting over COVID, believe it or not. I had COVID last week. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, but, that's, uh, that's yucky. Yeah, it was one of those variants. Came around. Uh, not a good time for me, but I didn't go to the hospital. Nobody else got sick, and so I, I'm good to go on that. But uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, right? Well, it's good to have you uh, up and at him again, Ernie, for yeah. sure. Um, the... You know, we talk a lot about work from home over the last couple episodes here and what impact that's had. There was a uh, pretty interesting uh, advisory that was issued a couple of weeks ago that I know you guys probably saw. It was a joint advisory from the FBI, but also from state and treasury. And it was a warning to sort of to U.S. companies that they have to be careful who they're hiring for, um, for IT staff particularly in a remote work environment. I guess they, there's some evidence, according to the advisory, and some of the reporting around it, that U.S. companies were intending to hire, you know, non-U.S. nationals to work as IT support, but were instead hiring North Korean nationals who were then <laughs> taking the money that they were being paid for IT services and using it to fund weapons operations on the part of North Korea. So uh you, how do you wake up uh managing a, a, an external it staff of north koreans if you're a u.s-based company probably not a great morning when you find that out uh, uh, yeah to, but, to, well, how, how do you find that out i mean what did you just kind of oh yeah hey uh imagine that going into the boss yeah hey uh yeah uh, remember how we uh we outsourced all that stuff that we thought was going to singapore yeah yeah how's that going they're doing great work well uh yeah it turns out yeah uh, <laughs> So we ended up tracing the IPs back to the actual source, and it seems that the destination and the source don't match up to what we had within the specs for the contract. We have this all going back in North Korea. That conversation probably went pretty pretty well. <laughs> it's awful. It's like the two, and they were pretending, I think, to be from two U.S. adversaries, U.S. Um, allies, right? Uh, the Republic of South Korea yeah. and Japan. And yeah. so, you know, that's a normal thing for U.S. companies to work pretty seamlessly with, with talent there, particularly for, for IT or for other purposes, trading partners and whatnot. So pretty surprising. Obviously, there's sort of two legal problems yeah. um, for the U.S. entities. The first is North Korea is on a list of do not give them money uh, <laughs> that is held by the Treasury, which is really, really important not to give them money. It's essentially a strict liability 
uh, offense with some. That's the official U.S. government's naughty list. Yeah, don't. You know, yeah, do they that. make that list. They check it twice. Yeah. yeah, but that, you know, for most U.S. companies, like, that's bad. Like, you don't yeah. want to get on that list, obviously. But also, these are probably the last people you want to see your stuff, too. So the second problem <laughs> that's is right. you're giving whatever it is you meant to give, like, you know, vetted nationals in Japan, perfectly normal thing to do, giving them access um, to North Korea. And so if you make a product, pretty sure there's going to be one in North Korea that looks exactly like the product uh, that you make soon yeah. uh, coming out there. So the, yeah, yeah they, you have the OFAC ban list um, or the U.S. Treasury regulation. Uh, don't give money to North Koreans for any purpose. And then second, you've got this issue of uh, intellectual property that you're giving away to your uh, outsourced IT team. Not so, a great space to be. So, so Jack, how does that? How how would that you know kind of play out? I mean, assume that you, you you're a you know a company and you're doing your your normal vetting process and then and then what you know somebody comes not oh yeah by the way uh they turn it turns out you've been paying uh these people and they're actually in north korea uh how i mean i know it's it's kind of hypothetical but <laughs> but how, how so next thing you know what they're you're, you're getting fined that the you know the fbi's knocking on your door for funding a a, a rogue regime when you're like dude right. I, no i yeah no it's a criminal yeah, it's a criminal. You don't. It's a criminal offense. So what you would normally, if you found out through other sources, you know, you'd work with your counsel. Sometimes yeah. the sometimes the advice is you, you package it up, you self-report, you say this is what we tried to do to stop it, and we're sorry. Yeah. Um, that sometimes is a good option, and then other times you stop it, and you wait for them to call you. Yeah. But but if but if it's the FBI or if it's um, Secret Service who's who's reached you, um, yeah. And you've, then you then 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 it's it's happening uh, in real time, and there may even be a self. You may have to self-report actually if you find yeah. out about it. But yeah, that, could, not a great that be place. Be a data breach. That could be considered a data breach too, right? So I mean, your biggest problem is the criminal law. Got to get yeah. that sorted out and figure out a way to approach that. And then your second problem is, if you gave these unauthorized persons access to personal information, or to materials that would be covered by some contract. Uh, that you, you're not supposed to have given them or had them access to, you got to analyze that. You could maybe make an argument that at the time that you gave it to them, it was authorized, so it's not a breach. You meant to give it to these people; they were under contract with you. We didn't necessarily to mean it to be further. When we spent, when we said access to these people, we meant Correct. these people, not those people. Yeah, it turns no, out uh, that yeah. these people were those people, so therefore, <laughs> I don't know if it's been tested. I don't know if the 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 um, you know, I hired person X. They turned out not to be who they, they were. They turned to be person Y. <laughs> I intended to give person X access, and that was the computer that accessed it. And I have no evidence, as I sit here, that that person misused it. Are we going to assume? Yeah. Ernie, what? You, would you ask a jury to assume that every person in North... They're just trying to make an honest buck. Well, that's... Um, it's exactly right. You know, why Why would they steal? Because I'm paying them. They can, that's more money. That was the best part of some of the coverage around this, too, was, yeah. was it like the OFAC, the massive... <laughs> Violation of U.S. you know anti-money laundering, not um, export. Uh, what you would call it, like sanctions regime. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That wasn't the focus of a lot of the reporting on this. It was, um, <laughs> it, it was around this idea of, uh, you know, um, they're not they're not who they say they are, and um, but they're trying to to just make money. Like it was the focus of the reporting was on these are um, North Korean workers who are trying to legitimately earn money by doing like a good job at your IT work, but then the money that they make goes to the North Korean government and is used to fund weapons programs. I get it. That's bad. 
but but like the focus was on it wasn't they weren't saying like these are phony employees it was like no, these were legit employees trying yeah, to do a good like, job they're probably doing a pretty good job yeah. and and the bad news is like hey but they're using the money to like you know sponsor terrorism uh, state sponsored terrorism yeah. that's bad but it wasn't like they're going to they're going to put your systems at risk or you know i i, I would love to know I, you know the reporting is only the extent to which we know this is going on so i would love to know like did the fbi figure out like how were they like were they pretty yeah, yeah. good at I could just see I, yeah. I just see it oh, i got to tell you uh it's a, it's a shock to me the shock uh, i mean that but our logs had never been so clean. They'd never Best been maintained. We've ever had. I'll tell you, the, the ticket turnaround was was through the roof. I, I, they I, cashed I'm their amazed. paychecks immediately. That's their exactly right. I, I guess that's, it's like the serial, the serial killer next door, right? You just don't know it. Because model neighbor was doing everything right. I don't get it. But you got to vet. You got to vet. Your, I mean, yes. that's, that's it. So it's, it's, it's not even vendor management. It's employee. It's onboarding. Employee onboarding. Yeah. So it's. It's yeah. like when, when you get a job offer um, and they do a background check on you and they ask for a bank account f- and, and for you to fill out a W-2, mm-hmm. that's largely to make sure that, you know, you're, you don't commit U.S.-based felonies, but it's also to make sure that you, you are not on the OFAC sanctions ban list and that <laughs> they can pay you money in an okay way. So it, there is, there is – um, that background check between offer uh, and, and start of hiring, where they where they where they do that, you know, is is designed for this purpose. And so, yeah. we talk, a, you know, the community talks a lot about vendor management uh, and vendor access management, but this is really employee onboarding, and th- this is an issue for a lot of colleges and universities yeah. who are bringing onboard talent, um, particularly onboard talent from uh, countries that that might do business with North Korea or or, or uh, China, mm-hmm. and you know, if particularly what, and maybe if what they're looking at might be on, you know, export controlled materials, or if they might be a resident of a country that that is is on the ban list. I mean, being able to watch out for that is is actually a pretty sophisticated and challenging inquiry. So, um, you know, use use name brands. I guess is probably if you're going to outsource your IT, use name brands. Yeah. Um... I, I have experience using some of those LexisNexis tools and the background checks that would pull up sanction searches and all those OFAC searches. It's, it's, it's pretty ingenious how you can get away with putting in a dash or a hyphen or something in between the names. And uh, you can say that you did your compliance check and next thing you know, I mean, you took a, a normal company name, a house brand name, put a dash in there oh. and it completely cleared. <laughs> it amazing. completely cleared, no sanctions. Um, of all things that these people were funding, um, it, it was going from what I'm reading to their ballistics missile program. That's pretty intense. <laughs> and also, well, like, if, how uh, much, if how you're many North Korea, are we talking about, and yeah. how much money? I mean, these are, are we talking like millions of bucks, or is this really? So we're they're, they're skimming, you know, five hundred bucks a month on this, or? Uh, I think. Look, it, uh, it, it, I didn't see any reporting that said what it, what the amounts, yeah. but I right. did see. But they were very clear that that that. That, that the money was going to <laughs> no, ballistic missiles. Like, ballistic somehow missile. they knew that. Yeah. But also play it cool. Like, you know, money's money, uh, North Korea. Like, just let it go to like a foods program or something. Yeah. You know, just. Yeah, don't just, make it. Pick, pick the lightning rod program. Correct. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you're like, okay, we're feeding some piece, starving people. Look, we get it. Any support for that regime is a bad regime and it's, and yeah. it's U.S. policy. But if you're North Korea, like, you're not playing to the heartstrings here. Yeah, that's um, right. By, by, by putting it. Uh, into the ballistic missile program. Yeah. They, it, yeah. they could have had a viable thing. They could have lasted it. Because, listen, this was part of our pilot program, outreach. 
Rogue free, it was rogue freelancers. They, That's right. They, I mean, rogue if, freelancers. If we're if we're talking numbers, and this is just speculation, but they're saying there were thousands of these workers Man. that were Whoa. both dispatched. So, so I mean, let's just say Man. four thousand people, four thousand workers are making about thirty five hundred dollars biweekly. I mean, you're already talking about fourteen million dollars in overall yeah. value that that's being sent in, in in their direction. So I'm just like, wow. That's you a think tough, about, wow. Look, yes. think about workforce readiness, right? If you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting into the game, companies are <laughs> companies are hiring literal hundreds of North Korean workers to support IT services remotely. Be that talent in the states, folks. That's right. Be that talent in the states. <laughs> That's right. Right. Well said. Well said. All right, and then we'll leave that at uh, we'll, we'll leave funding of North Korean ballistic missile systems to others, uh, and we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but when we return, we're going to talk to Tasha about her career in the real world and her alter ego in the digital world. Stick around. Looking for more no password required content? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at No Password Pod. All right, welcome back. Our guest is Tasha Denos a senior cybersecurity professional with extensive experience in risk mitigation. Tasha, welcome to No Password Required. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Tasha, can you give us a, a little bit of the story of your career path, maybe from you know when you first got involved in the kind of issues you work on now through to, uh, through to your role at Capital One and Black Girls in Cyber? Sure. So my story is kind of a convoluted one. It starts as um, I actually thought I was always going to be doing fashion merchandising, working in the windows of Lehman to Bergdorf. And my father told me that I should get into the security and I ignored him. Um, <laughs> then I became an admin for a director at the Pentagon and um, at a small security organization. And he was like, you need to understand what I'm telling you. He was like, yeah, I do. He was like, <laughs> Well, do you want to go to boot camp and actually like learn what you're, you're what we're talking about? And I said yes, and he allowed the contract to get, get me on with Net Plus Security Plus and A Plus, and the story has been written. I uh, was at the Pentagon for a, a good while, doing everything from vulnerability management to um, accrediting systems. I was kind of the person solving a lot of problems that were kind of left to the wayside as I, um, you know, matured my career and started getting um, more strong in cyber. And then at that time it was called information assurance. So um, then I, I went on to the Secret Service where I did a lot of training and awareness situations and had a cool time where I was able to actually be the voice. I'm not sure if I still am, but like, be the voice and build out in their LMS system, their training and awareness for like annual cybersecurity and um, and, and oh, wow. uh, incident response. Um, that was I, a cool time. I was going to say, you, you must have been better for the Secret Service because, uh, and I, I know you weren't the voice for the Department of Defense because, uh, you know, you're talking and I'm like, that's engaging and cool. The Department of ah. Defense training is like, when you find someone who may be an insider, <laughs> who do you report it to? And then He's next thing the you know, guy in the basement. That's right. Yeah, and of course, the next thing you know, you, the, the training is over, and you, you wake up and you shake your what? I'm sorry, what happened? Oh, do you at least get the question? Do you answer the questions right, Ernie? Most of the time. Sometimes I, 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 
I, I answer the questions wrong because they come up with, they have the, it's like the adaptive learning item. There's a way where they, where they then explain it to you. You get to go back and do it again. And I'm always curious to see what happens if I answer it wrong. Ah. You know, do, does that cause the downfall of the entire United States? Because I, you know, I prop the door open. I want to, well, I want to know. Um, we were talking know. about UFOs earlier. So we definitely don't know yet. So that's right. Exactly. The Secret Service is hiding them. I was <laughs> left from the Secret Service. <laughs> that's why it's a Secret I, Service. <laughs> and I transitioned to an Intel uh, position, which was pretty cool. Um, and then I had a friend that worked with me at the Pentagon that said she would never leave the government. And she called me and she was like, I left the government and I got scared, kind of just like you were right now. And she actually said she works at Capital One. And she referred me to Capital One, and I will never go back to the government. I will always have windows. I will always have swag and snacks and all the good things. Yeah. Oh. You got to have the swag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm here now. And then I wanted to do more, you know, and I recently I, I started scouring the Internet. I started actually doing my own thing on uh, TikTok and Instagram, and I found a girl that had just started her own organization, which is called was Black Girls in Cyber. And it's only been since June 2021 that we've been an official 501c3. And that organization pretty much just, we're trying to get more people that look like me to hang out with, with, with people that don't. So it's been, so um, Black Girls in Cyber has been then official for about, a, coming up on a year or about a year. How do you think it's gone in the time that it's been official? Don't get, I'm a crier. I don't know if Serena and Rex have told you, but let's not make me cry early in this podcast. Um, we had, we've been official since 2021, but the organization uh, just really got started in 2020. So we had our first cohort. It was 10 groups of, you know, a group of 10 girls, we'll say women, because they're older than 18. And um, we got them Security Plus, we got them one on one mentors. And three of the 10 already have jobs. Oh, that's great. One right. is at Disney and two are, at our, at, are at Accenture. Oh, wow. So we have our second cohort going and we took some lesson learned from like timing and how long things should go from the first cohort and we are applying it to the second one and it's in the midst. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What are some right. of the... Um... The challenges that that you know, your, your your cohort members, I mean, when they say they're getting into what what was some of the barriers that they uh, that they experience when it comes to you know getting into the field? Uh, so I will tell you the worst thing we kind of um, I've talked about this before is that the pipeline is broken. Mm. So there are all of these people that have certifications, they have you know referrals, but. The job, the way that these, the human resources, um, I will just say silo is developing these job wrecks. It's like entry level with a CIJSSP with 10 years. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, what does that even mean? Whose entry level is that? That's we, that's we always say. It's an entry level cyber <laughs> position, but you need eight years of network admin to get there. And you're like, like yeah, that's not entry level. Am I the right person or is she the right person? And then yep. half the time. You find out the real title for the job is just like um, tech writing. You're just like anybody can sit next to it and get the experience by sitting next to the admin and yeah. you know writing down what they're doing. So that's been one of the biggest challenges um, that I would say just trying to break that barrier. Now these people have 
you know, experience and understanding, making sure that they have one-on-one time with mentors and doing different projects, but how do we get them hired? One of the um, views for folks who are looking at a career in cyber that sometimes I, I think are not accurate or that, you know, it's a siloed role or it's a lonely role or it's a low, you know, it's a role for somebody who's going to sit at a screen. But in reality, you know, my understanding of your role is that it involves a lot of collaboration, a lot of internal customer service. How do those skills, those collaboration skills, management skills, how does that make a more secure environment? Oh my gosh, being chatty Kathy is like the, the, the winning thing for my role. <laughs> like it's that you set, touched on some key things that are like people don't even register. So first, when they see you talking about the siloed role, that's what I was running away from. I was so sure that I would be sitting like in this dark room with a hoodie because that's what everyone talks about. But some I found with watching people in their different paths, someone that can communicate well with people and has a good, you know, written and, and verbal communication and understands how to um, build relationships actually does better in this role that I'm in. Wow. Like my whole goal is to get, um, you know, admins to believe that I'm not a hindrance, that I shouldn't like the security parameters that I want you to enforce are for the good of you and for the good of me. And I, I'm not... Like most security people are like, you must do. Like they come down on, and it's like, if we can figure out how to say, hey, we're doing this, you're already doing this. And if you put this on the front end instead of the back end, it would just save us all time and energy. And if you and I have a good communication, like I'll keep the auditors out of your face if you keep your documentation up to date. Does that, like, do you think that that skill set comes from you doing other stuff? in a professional setting before you went down the cyber path? Like does the- Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I feel like people, you can tell right off the bat, normally somebody that came from a different path, when they're just like, when they just look at the, the way conversations go. And what you said was key, that you never hear an old security professional say, customer service. <laughs> like I am a, a, my whole job, like when someone's hired to be on my team, I'm like, yeah, you're technical. That's fantastic. You're going to be able to do assessments and, and understand what the remediation efforts are. But can you talk to people that are not going to be nice to you? And how are you going to respond to them? And how are you going to make that person be your friend? That that having a different background is normally where that fits in and those people thrive. Yeah, I think it was one of our greatest Americans, uh, Patrick Swayze, uh, <laughs> that said, uh, you know, you be nice until it's time not to be nice. When, how will I know the difference? I'll tell you. And that's, and that's it. <laughs> and that's be nice. Right. You got to be nice. Yeah. That's major. Yeah. And it changes everything just across the organization, especially when people start feeling the culture change, you know, yeah. when, how they interact with security. It sounds like part of Black Girls in Cyber is a mentoring piece of it and being able to set up sort of one-on-ones or group, group sessions. Did you benefit at points in your career from a mentor? And, and what was that like? For you. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I like to say that, so there's like three roles, right. That other people can do, especially for, um, you know, a black woman that, or someone that is, uh, outside of the normal scope, you know, you have the, then a first role, you have a person that's an ally, a person that's just sitting in the room and that can hear, um, that you're not going to be heard, but you're literally saying the same thing. Um, that person is, is, they don't have they're not all the way through your career but just when you're in that room 
And then there's a sponsor. I have had so many sponsors in my um, career that were mentors, that were people that opened doors for me. Um, Darren King, the, the, the director that saw that I had the aptitude to learn and made sure that the contract, me going from administrative assistant to, you know, an analyst, that, that was life change. That literally changed my life. So it's listening to him, watching him and being a part of his circle where he was mentoring me one-on-one, -on -one, that has been a part of who I am today in, in all the rooms that I sit in. You mentioned mentoring and how important it is. So you, you're a mentor for some people, I'm imagining. Are they mostly dazzled by your cyber skills or uh, your personality side of the house? I mean, how do, how do you blend that together to show them the light? Because that seems like that's a tough thing to get across. You have to have the technical experience, but you got to be able to engage with people. I find the people that have been drawn to me that want, to me that want me to mentor for them are normally... Um, they see something in me as a person that yeah. they, and I, it turns into more than us just talking about work. It, it goes to like, oh, well, this is, I guess, compensation is work, but it turns into not just talking about how do you get into cyber, but how do you negotiate? And just like, how do you become a person that's your whole self in any room at yeah. all the time? You know, so it's kind of, if you're, if someone's mentoring you, it's, what people don't understand when they go to look for a mentor is you have responsibilities, right? So I not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of times I ran for mentorship because you have to be accountable. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't wanna like, give me some advice. Let me do it if I want and let me kick rocks. <laughs> like, you know, so, <laughs> there's a lot of moments like that. We all do that. But once you decide that it's this full blown relationship, you know, it has to be one of those things like, did you update your resume? Did you take that class? Did you, you know what I mean? Like, I have to be your friend, but I also have to be the, a hard ass to make sure that it sounds good in theory, but to get in, it, it is hard. Like, you yeah. have, normally these people are have their own full lives, their parents, their, you know, wives and mothers. So you have to scope at that time and stay dedicated. And so I kind of find... I have to find a, a thin line between like, I'm your friend, I'm your, um, you know, confident, but I'm also like your um, accountability partner. Yeah, yeah. They have to be committed to the program, so to speak. It's yeah. like some of it is like that, you know, we've looked at for just within the law firm here, the distinction between, okay, you can be a sponsor and not necessarily a mentor. And I think it was like, we have some people who are just better or more comfortable sponsoring because it's like, look, I'm going to just have 10 people. When opportunities arise, I'm going to shove them. If they're willing to do it, get out of the nest and fly, right? The sponsoring thing is sort of straightforward. And, and for some senior folks, his personality is just better. Like, I'm yeah. just going to open doors mm -hmm. and push it through them. And mentoring, though, it's, it's, it's got to be – and it's work being a mentor. And it's not always the same person who's the open door push – versus the actual sitting down and having a back and forth and then holding others accountable is hard. That, that, yeah, it's a lot of work. So I guess when it works, though, it can be very effective. Yeah. yeah. Can you share a, a win story from your, you know, who, who do you think is uh, when you, one of your mentees, I guess? Uh, uh, you a know, good story? Yeah. A good news story? I will say um, one of the girls that works for me right now, 
Um, it's been very exciting. Um, she came to the team. She had done assessments before. And just watching her transition from just an analyst to knowing and becoming and being, you know, we're going to get her promoted this year at mid-year. Yeah. Just watching how... Um, Taking the advice, taking the, the criticism, and and doing the turn on the dime, like okay, what what do I need to do? And then when something doesn't work out, you know, and we have the tough conversations, and she comes back, and we have like heart to hearts, like okay, this wasn't good, and it's okay, you said something, nobody cares. Like at this <laughs> yeah. point, the million, like he said, UFOs came out at the same time as COVID. Put your mask on. Like no one. It depends on what's going on. You just change the narrative and keep it moving. And the more you fail and fail quickly, the quicker you're going to move up. And seeing somebody actually putting those kind of things into action and, and watching the reward happen is just like, I'm just, I'm too getting committed. So is that one of the reasons why uh, you, you do this? I mean, it's, it's a tough space, um, particularly for, you know, for African-American women to, to, to break in there. I'll be honest, like being in rooms, especially with COVID, right? You're in rooms. Like I went from being at the Pentagon, being at Secret Service, being at Intel, and it just being me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just being this weird thing consistently. And then with COVID, it was different when you're at work and you're kind of walking through the halls and you, you go in and then you go have lunch with someone else and you're like mixing yeah. um, like in person with different people. But right now I can see on the screen, I'm the only person that looks like me. Yeah. And it's just this constant thing where it's like, oh my God, it's really the only person, you know, that looks like me in this room. I've gotta, I've gotta be more than, than talking about it. I have to, I'm capable of being a strategic partner to make change. Yeah. And I, believe that I am and then getting with other women that are just like me that have been in the same rooms like I have and just talking to each other and being like, yeah, girl, you're smart. We should make more of us. <laughs> <laughs> the first person was connecting with her yeah. was actually uh, 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 the nurse, oh my God, a uh, nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. She was a nurse practitioner and they were chatting and she did everything that how you said to do wow. and she followed through and next thing you know the year later she went from being a nurse practitioner to working at Accenture wow. and that kind of just completely yeah. swapped wow. over and the opportunities came and it's like seeing her life completely do a 180 is what really got um Talia to start the organization and you know you just watch these stories of people that had no clue even what cybersecurity was like most people still don't have a real understanding. You know, we've heard in terms of looking at workforce readiness for cybersecurity that there were some pros and cons from the work from home model for companies that supported it. You know, some of the pros were it moved the geographic area from which you could draw talent. That helped. On the other hand, you know, some of the cons were people aren't coming in. They're not always benefiting from that collaboration that could lead to better outcomes. What have, what have you seen over the last two years in terms of how, how work from home may have changed that just across the industry that's specific to Yeah, to they're leaving us at home okay. most of the time because we're working more at home. When I am working at home, I've learned to balance slightly, you know, but the laptop is open, the yeah. phone is on, I'm available, I will get it done. Yeah. There's like, 
I think I did miss, I went for the first time to the office uh, for the first time in two years. Oh, wow. I missed the feeling. I didn't know it was a feeling like to see somebody in person. You know, you see your family yeah. or whatever. But it's like, I didn't know that there was a real feeling that I was missing when I actually saw and touched people that I hadn't seen in two years. Mm. That was very interesting. Even I thought it would be the same since I talked to them on the phone or talked to them on video every day. But there is a, I don't, I think the hybrid and giving people an opportunity to come if they want or don't come if they don't want to, is probably the best situation for something. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the, a lot of, well, most large companies now are national anyway. And so even if everyone were in the office, you're in the office, but you're working with people in another city. So it's, it's virtual as to that mm-hmm. experience anyway. So really, yeah. this is just making everything somewhat virtual i there is a little bit of the missing of that where you're talking about the break room interaction or the coffee shop interaction one of the things we found about it is that it has been a great the work from home time has been great for folks who um you know not more introverted but the 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 evaluation of of a contributing member of a team has been more based on content than it has been based on charm yes which is important for a million reasons but we we've seen that in the two years that's yeah that is major because there's a lot of people that can sleep talking about that water cooler but they're not really doing anything they don't have anything on paper don't i know that don't i know that that's learned uh, the hard way that's that's been my whole life you know but you got to learn a whole new set of skills already that's right they they used to call me ernie the water buffalo Uh (laughs) you just hang out over there i just hang out over there you doing (laughs) right then you have you have increasing time as a result of the water cooler time in the bathroom and that's a whole nother problem it's it's exactly correct yeah but i will say i haven't had it no kidney stones (laughs) you know it's a flush you can learn from this guy it's a it's that constant flush uh, tasha we had you are on social media in, in a in a really cool way one of the things that we know is on LinkedIn, you're the cyber whisperer. How did that moniker kind of come? come how did that? How did the cyber whisperer, that moniker, come come about? You know what's so funny? I've had like four people since I I just changed it, and I've had four people come to me, and I didn't even think that people even read like read them through. Yeah. So it's oh, just well, exciting. we do. We do. <laughs> it's we do. I was talking to one of the MVPs at the company and she just was, um, she was on the tech side, right? And she was like, oh, you're one of those cyber people, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, you guys. And we had this great conversation where I just was breaking down like, I don't want to be in your way. We don't want to be in your way. We want to help. We're, you know what I mean? And like, explaining what our relationship should be and how we should just uh, how our our plans should overlap and how our roadmap should be combined and all of the things that we should be doing together instead of just in these siloed things to where you think that i'm just some check the box lady that's getting on your nerves and, and wasting your people's time and after that conversation she was like maybe i don't need cyber anymore and it <laughs> it, it <laughs> The three, like the complete change blew my mind and hers. And I was like, yes. I am the cyber whisperer. I am the cyber whisperer. (laughs) 
I will change all This is the show. I can, I can already see it. I can already see it. <laughs> oh, we'll, cool. we'll watch now as Tasha goes and visits the IT department. They've been having trouble with their... Then <laughs> we call in the Cyber Whisperer. <laughs> and you, you walk in and talk, you know, a, a disgruntled... Uh, uh, you know, sys admin. I, I can't do that. I've changed this person's password seven times this week. Now, let's talk about it. Do you have a password policy? What is that policy? That's it automatically That's updated? it. It's a, it's a serial. Like it, we That's just right. done in, in vignettes right. of individual problem solving. It's, I then, love it. The, um, we, know, we understand you're working on a podcast called Do We Belong Here? Um, and it's in the tech world. The tech world generally, is it cybersecurity specifically or is it evolving? Um, we're going to start with cybersecurity because cool. that's what we know, but we'll, we'll probably evolve because it's we're a little bit of both. You okay. know what I mean? Like I'm in tech is like this bubble and then cyber is in a bubble inside. Yeah. So we're, we're, um, we're connected either way. Oh, nice. What's the, fo- what's the, I, mean, I think I understand, but just for our listeners, what's the focus going to be of, of the podcast? So me and my cohort, Pam, she is actually the um, advisory CISO at CISO. We are going to chat it up with all the, what do they say, the tastemakers? Is that a, is that a good <laughs> Wait, is that, pa- is that Pam from St. Is she from St. Pete? Is she yes, from it is. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yes. Yes, you it's already funny. know her. She's You're very cool. Oh, that's You're cool. Okay. Yeah. I, it's a, just a, I'll take a quick story. My older sister uh, is, is currently, a, a, she produces live television for CNN. It's a very cool job. She's been in live TV for like 15 years. But one of her first jobs was she worked for a now defunct magazine called Working Women Magazine. And she was like a content creator and editor for it. And one of the articles that she was responsible for was an article that looked at research on people who wear their own company swag and whether they do better at work or not. <laughs> and they found some like studies or something. It. I think I still have the article somewhere, but it, it was, it was the, the answer was probably not surprisingly. Yes. Professionals who wear their own company swag places are considered better by their peers and it helps them with promotions and all this stuff. Uh, and I think about that all the time whenever I'm using a Carlton Fields mug or wearing my t-shirt around town. <laughs> People love uh, swag and even wearing your own swag is like an okay thing. To do anyway, so, there's a, I a love it. an early 2000s article out there that my sister was responsible for. <laughs> Listen, I've I, I'm always I've always been a believer though. You'd never wear the concert T-shirt of the concert you're going to see. I mean, is that so? Does that, does that I mean what you're telling me, Jack? That, that upends you know you decades of my thinking. I have been. I have been. I, have been. I know. I don't overthink it. If I like something, I'm gonna I'm gonna represent it. That's just how I'm going to I'm gonna. Put it out there. I'm a walking billboard. Maybe that's right. going to be a, Tasha, maybe that's a fashion problem, though. We'll have to. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm with you, Jack. I'm telling my husband as soon as I go home, I'm not throwing the swag away. I read an article because now I flew off motors. Um, I've read it. And it says that if I wear the company t shirt and get swag, then I'm going to get promoted. That's it. So yeah, but this, yeah. That's it. A 2001 article from Working <laughs> I, I think I think there's a direct correlation there. That's exactly correct. I think that's exactly correct. Wear the swag, get promoted. All right, that's it. Can I, I want to ask one one more substantive <laughs> question, Dasha, about this? Because always, if you can't answer this, this is not. We understand this is your personal capacity, not not your company. Okay. But you know, there's a lot of conversation about information sharing for cyber threat assessment and intelligence. 
you know, and, and some, some of the information sharing is by industry, some is by critical infrastructure more generally, some is U.S. only. What do you think about um, this information, you know, and there's been some proposals in Washington to force or encourage two different things, information sharing. Do you use, you know, that kind of industry sourced intelligence in your work? Do you think that, what do you think is the value versus the balance of information sharing for, for big companies in cyber? I think it's life saving. I don't know if that's the right word, um, but you know, I've been on a couple of panel discussions where they're talking about the same thing, where it's just like, why aren't, why doesn't government and industry share um, information with each other? I think some industry, it's not so bad. We get a lot of, um, we get collaboration through, normally you get the most collaboration through like um, the big four when you have contracting partners and they're providing their insight from outside. But um, I feel like we as a whole, just the, the tech industry just in general, would be better if we could figure out, you know, it doesn't have to be this open-ended way. There's, you know, there's, we, we protect secrets in a thousand different yeah. ways. So I think if we were to, to do it a little bit better and figure out um, without it being the government saying you must share, yeah. you know, and figuring out how it's... it's um, beneficial to everyone i think it's it's really key because i mean the adversaries are coming from everywhere and it's not changing and they're moving faster so the more we can be on the same side to just understand that we're protecting americans data regardless if it's capital one or if it's someone that is you know working at the state department that's that's like the most important thing that we should be focusing on thank you so much we're going to take a short break when we return we're going to walk you through Ernie's lifestyle polygraph. So listeners, please stay with us. You're listening to the No Password Required podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. All right. Welcome back, Tasha. As you may know, as part of the application process to be granted security clearance and access to some of our nation's greatest secrets, certain members of the government are subject to what is known as a lifestyle polygraph. Uh, passing this polygraph is critical in order to gain access to these uh, national secrets. However, here on No Password Required, we have a similar version of a lifestyle polygraph designed to answer and probe some very uncomfortable questions to determine exactly what makes you tick. Not what makes you TikTok, because that's a whole other reason why you would be on social media. Um, and that's my dad joke uh, for the day. And so, that being said, Tasha, are you ready for the No Password Required Lifestyle Polygraph? Let's go. All right, here we go. Now, this is where a little bit of, we're going to deviate from the norm just a little bit. This first one, I know we said it's only five questions, but the first one is a two-part question. Okay. Two-part question. Here we go. What makes someone cool? What, what make... makes someone cool? Yes. Liking themselves. Liking themselves. Okay. Not and not to like an arrogant way where it's like I don't care what other people think about me. It doesn't matter. Just liking <laughs> themselves. Just like <laughs> I. I I, I might be a little corny and I, I, you know, I only listen to 80s mix at night and I still have my CD player and 
you can't stop me. Like, but you're comfortable in that. And you yeah, like please that tell me that that is that you just described yourself. I I may have. May have. <laughs> All right, because oddly enough, uh, my daughter was looking for a CD player, and I had to kind of because apparently some band that she follows just came out with a CD, which I thought was strange. And and she's like, a CD player? What is that? And I actually had to, because oh. she didn't know of a time that there was oh. this, you know, is it, is it a blue, is it a blue, is it a Blu-ray, Dad? Does it play video games? No, it doesn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. It just plays music mm-hmm. and sometimes rather poorly because <laughs> it, bounce, it bounces and it skips. <laughs> so you mentioned that kind of, you know, being, being cool with who you are. Yeah, being now, authentic to who you are. Yeah. And here's the second part of that. What word would a cool person use to replace the aforementioned word cool? Now that's pressure. Because like the kids are have their own thing, they're saying all kinds of stuff, and I'm kind of just still stuck with cool. Um then I'm gonna go nineties and I don't know why the word rad is coming to my head. That's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's making you uncomfortable. Yeah. Rad. Why would I say rad? I like rad. Why would I, like I say rad? rad? What what am I insane by the bell on a skateboard? <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. Why did I say What's... rad? I can't oh, take it back now. We'll no. Just, you know, Ferris oh. Bueller's day off. I'm going with rad. Rad, like Rad's, that's all right. I, I, I'll, bring your I, Rad back. Guys. Rad's yeah. the kind of person who might turn a turn a chair around before yeah. you sit down. Oh, yeah. nice. Like a Zach Morris sort of yeah, a thing. Yeah, and then nice. the hat turns backwards too. What's up, like guys? Yeah. Hey, listen, hey, on that same score, Jack, you know, you, you were a former prosecutor. Did you ever walk into the interrogation room, turn that chair around and sit down and break it down like that? Ooh. You know, I, um, I, I have done that. See, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I have done that, and sometimes I go in in advance and see if it was the kind of chair that would allow what me to do that. That's <laughs> just to scout the room out a bit, because you don't want to do it and then realize the chair's got arms, and then okay. you're just a guy who takes a chair for a spin. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So that's the guy who yeah, takes a chair for a spin. That's a, a fairly rad, fairly rad move. That is a rad move. <laughs> That's a, that's a gutsy move is what that yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> All right, back to serious. Okay, back to serious. okay. okay. sorry. Um, Number two, mm-hmm. how would you go about convincing today's youth that the best thing you can be is yourself? Ah, um, by letting them know first of all i I guess understanding that being different is what makes this world i think you know what i saw pink this is like the most random thing but i literally just watched this video and pink was talking about um she was talking about her daughter came home and she was like i'm so ugly i'm so weird right and she was so mad and she, she was like, the kids are saying, and she was like, oh, I want to, can I beat up a toddler? I'm like a, a kid <laughs> And then she was like, oh, I can't do that. So let me think about what else I can do. And the reason why she wasn't feeling pretty is because she had a very androgynous looking face. You know, she looked more like her dad than her mom. So then she showed all of like the coolest pop stars 
you know, the Bowies, the Grace Jones, all of these people that yeah. would normally just be considered weird in everyday life and just showing how they changed the world. And mm -hmm. I think that's really key, just showing like everyone has their own role to play in this world, you know, and if you accept what makes you different, it allows you to um, other people to appreciate those parts of you that maybe you don't even understand. Yeah, that's I, I try to vision it. You know, we're all we're all playing different music uh, instruments in this jazz band of life. Um, of course, I say that my kids are like that. Yeah, my, my my kids are like dad. Nobody listens to jazz. I'm like, yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Number three. All right. This is gonna. This is a tough one. Oh my God. This is. This is. Yeah. Okay. If you were styling Jack and Ernie for a swanky cybersecurity podcasting event, okay, those three words have never been. Well, four words have never been spoken in the same. The same thing. Swanky cybersecurity podcasting event. Let um, me explain. That is definitely going to happen at some point. There will be a swanky cybersecurity event and we are going to put it on. At okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, all right. And so at that event, yeah. what, what would Jack and I be wearing on the red carpet? Okay. Jack, you look taller. I don't know if it's the internet, but I feel no, like, be, yeah. I feel I'm like you're kind of taller, slender type of guy. I want to put you in Louis Vuitton that is, yeah, there is no budget for this event. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. Okay? That's right. Yeah, yeah. money is, is no object. What are you yeah, talking right. about? This event is swanky. I saw your faces. <laughs> We're not going to Target. We're giving out awards. We're drinking champagne. You know, Oprah's there. This is fancy. You know? It will have gifts under the seat. It's perfect. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> have, like, A new car. Phones. Oh, I should have All right. Yeah, so we're putting yeah. yeah, we're putting in the men's collection. It's gonna be clean, it's gonna be crisp, but we're gonna have some pops of color. Like okay. he might be able to turn a little bit and have some like like blues. It looks black, but it's really not. You know what I'm black. saying? Because we want right. to give him some 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 pizzazz, some fun. You know what I mean? And then let me see. I can see. I can see it. I just see you walking. Right. That's it's, it's going well. It's going, <laughs> yeah. it's going well. You know. And then for you, Ernie, we're going to go Burberry, but we're going Burberry for a many reasons because Ricardo's teaching is at Burberry right now and he's very cutting edge. So you're like a mix of like this classic pattern, you know what I mean? That, that look, but mixed with Ricardo's teaching take on it. So it's like you're clean, you're crisp, but you've got a little more edge with yourself. So that's me. That's that's me. Gentlemen. Clean and crisp yeah. with an edge. With I, an edge. Yeah. I know you guys. I know you guys. And we're gonna walk down this aisle. We're gonna have fun on the red carpet. Everyone's gonna have JBL headphones under there. We can't afford the car because we spent money on the campaign. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 We do. You know, money is no object to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're gonna eat and drink with the best caviar, even though I have never had the best caviar, but I want it to be good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that'll be the brand name, the, the best, best caviar. caviar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not actually. It's not, it's not descriptive. It's just the name. <laughs> oh, I'm investing immediately. I love it. <laughs> what kind of caviar? Oh, it's the best. Oh, it's really? the best. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it really good? No, it's terrible. But no, uh, but it is the best. It is the best.
Are men, like, is, at least in men's clothing, are we still in a slim phase? Or are we oh, backing, good question. Are we backing out of that? Because yeah. I feel like I, I'm okay we, to back out of that. The now. world is weird right now. Just like, okay. it, like, how do you, like, what's interesting about fashion is the same as, like, what you see going on just in general. Like, I guess it's Gen Z has just fallen in love with everything. So, like... You can wear slim pants. You can wear baggy pants. Like when yeah. there was a time where you could just only wear one thing, but they're just making it to where you can wear anything, which is pretty exciting and a little bit scary at the same time. Yeah. So you can back out of those small pants. I can, all right. Can, I'm ready yeah, for that. It's welcome. Welcome to the. But we're in a. Yeah. Yeah, so on, on those same lines, I mean, now I've got a. I got a. I, I could talk for hours on this because I am, uh, according to. You know, polite society. I'm f- fashionly challenged. Oh. Um, uh, no, no, oh, no, no. I, I relish that. I embrace that mostly okay. because uh, I firmly believe that uh, socks with Crocs is is not only encouraged; it should be required if you have a teenage daughter. Let me um, tell you something. Yeah. I don't even think that you know that I have Crocs under the table. I have platform Crocs <laughs> with socks. I have giblets on them. I've got a chain that I got from Amazon. So come on, Ernie, you are not. Let's stop underestimating yourself, okay? Yeah. You I'm, are I, cutting edge, buddy. And don't see, let anybody tell you anything. These socks and these socks, your comfort is first. And then that style is a close second for you. And I respect that. See, that. it's that kind of, it's that kind of you know, positivity that, that I, I don't get in my everyday life. Uh, and this is, this is really, for me, this has been. You have a family. Yeah, this has been especially helpful. Yeah, um, yeah. I have one too, so that's why yeah. we're like getting together and talking freely here. And exactly. Have them. <laughs> that's have right. Them. You know, it was, yeah, exactly. It's almost an airing of the grievances. Let me tell you, I got a lot of problems with my kids. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I don't, but you know. I, you're kind okay. enough to find your daughter a CD player on the internet, so I don't. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have um, told my son to kick rocks and find them on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> deal. I'm not going to buy this CD player that you're not going to use again. Oh, exactly. Yeah, for yeah, for this one particular, and I, I I have to believe it was one song on it, and that was it. So we've oh, listened to it for like three minutes, and then we have this other device. Um, all right, here we are, number four, number four. This is a good one. Good one. All right, all right. What reality show could you participate in and absolutely crush? Oh, the circle! I want to go on there. The circle, so huh? bad, yeah. So the circle is like this social media thing where you get people to be your friend and they can't see you, and you can pretend to be anyone. So I could pretend to be like you, Ernie, and I'd be like, "Oh, look, close, oh, look, close, oh, look, close." The Marines are the best. The Marines are awesome. I got camouflage Crocs. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then people get voted off every um, show because they're like, I don't believe you, Ernie, because, you know, you didn't talk about the Marines enough and you talked about perfume. Because people slip up sometimes and they, um, when they're pretending to be someone else, they like, um, they like, you can tell and then the people get kicked off. But the circle, I would love to go. Oh, cool. It's like, yeah, 
<laughs> you, um, if you make like a Back to the Future 2 reference, Ernie would typically reference Back to the Future 1. But that's exactly, clearly. And that's how people oh, Clearly. They would never make that see? reference. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no Everybody way. knows. Yeah. Everybody knows that Jaws 4 is the worst of the bunch. That's right. That's right. What were they doing in, in the Bahamas anyway? anyway? That's right. Should they have just stuck to rivers at that point? <laughs> okay. Last question. Last question. All right. Here we go. In five years, black girls in cyber will be a huge success because blank happened. Asking oh. you to predict the future. Yes, I can give it to you. Because we have successfully um, put on conferences so we have become like a solidified conference in the tech world you know where people you know we're we're listed with the the black hats and the um, rsa like where people want to come to get certs we have transitioned a hundred women to jobs and they are successful and we are you know selling swag having a good time putting on uh putting on no we're giving swag away actually we're giving the yeah. swag away. We're so good. We're yeah, giving it away. that's right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and none of that, none of that cheap crap. This is the good stuff. You're this giving away the, the good stuff. This is hundred yeah. percent cotton with the right size unit. We are giving <laughs> it away, man. Come on, and we have just been solidified with you know um, other organizations like um, Women in Cyber Judiciary and, and the the, the Rhesus that we are a force to be reckoned with. We're just talking about getting black women transition into the career All right. Well, I got to tell you, Tasha, this has been fantastic. Uh, you know, thank you so much for participating in the podcast and especially in the Lifestyle Polygraph. Did um, I pass? I, this isn't Did a pass. That's we don't tell you. It's not a pass or fail. It's, oh, it's just part, it's just, just participating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? You passed. Yeah, you. Gonna, All right. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> I'm just going to cut the tension. Yeah, I'm just going to so say much. it. It was so, I swear I was going to go home. I was going to talk to my family about it. I was going to message Serena and Rex and just be like, she's happy. I thought I put my best foot forward and I just don't know why Ernie is And that's how we know. Yeah, that's right. Because you, right. you cared. That's you right. Cared exactly. Yes. It didn't matter. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> Go back. So if our, if our listeners would like to connect with you, other than uh, whispering into the internet, uh, how, can, how can they connect with you? How can our yes. listeners uh, The Cyber uh, Whisper is available on all platforms. Tasha DeNotes on Instagram and Tasha DeNotes on LinkedIn. And follow Black Girls in Cyber on all of those same Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, and we also, we look forward to your, uh, you know, the, the new podcast coming out. It's going to be exciting times. We're, um, we're, we're really excited uh, that that's coming out. And I look forward to seeing that. So thanks so very much. much. I'm yeah. excited. I really enjoyed. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank you. All right. Coming up next, it's Technologue with Pablo Torres. If you want to stay on top in cybersecurity, you have to learn something new every day. It's time to get educated. Welcome to Technologue, Game Show Edition. Welcome to Technologue, 
Game Show Edition. I'm your host, Pablo Torres. Today, we are going to investigate the world's first ever computer worm, also known as the Morris worm. So how does this show work? I simply ask our panel a series of questions that can only be answered within a number, and the person with the answer closest to the bullseye gets a point. So remember guys, we're only looking for numbers here. The person closest to the bullseye is gonna go ahead and get scored correctly. For a little background, the worm was released by its author uh, and less than 24 hours later, it caused the greatest damage ever witnessed by a piece of malware up to that point. The worm slowed thousands of systems down to a crawl by creating processes and files in temporary folders and trying to spread copies of itself. By the following day, which I'm not gonna give away, um, but it's a Thursday, um, it had the attention of thousands of users who started to get worried about the unusual facts and artifacts that were discovered. Ever since, this worm has been considered the first worm to propagate and spread over the internet. Let's get started. Are you guys ready? Question one. All right, wait, yeah. let's introduce our panel here. We've got- Oh, Ernie, that's right. Great. We've got me, Jack, and then we've got Ted Esposito, who we reference a lot yes. on the show, uh, who's one of the digital marketing professionals here at Carlton Fields and is uh, some of the production uh, and, and audio specialists behind the behind the cast. So welcome, Ted. A production engineer. That's right. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, he, he's a man behind all of this and he's, he's the magic behind behind the show. Uh, welcome, Serena. Welcome, Ernie. Welcome, Jack. And most importantly, welcome, Ted. Um, I'm happy to have you guys participate on our first game show segment. Uh, here we go. Rolling right into it. Question one. What year was the Morris Worm released? I think I know the. I think yeah. I know the answer. That might be. This might be the only one I can get right. But I think I know the answer. Do you want me to go last, or do you want me to go first? Let, let's go with uh, Jack going last. Let's start off with Serena. Okay. All right. I'm gonna guess 1998. I'll say 1988. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna go with. Say the the, the worm, the Morris worm. Um, I think it coincides with uh, the breakdance move of a, of a similar name, the worm. <laughs> so I believe it's in the 80s. And uh, I'm going to go with 1987 for the block. 87 for the block. And the correct answer is November 2nd, 1988. <sighs> All right. Oh, so Good cool. job, Jack and Ted. Good job. And uh, just for reference, so this was launched by Robert Tappan Morris from the computer systems of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He used MIT's network to go ahead and infect the internet at that time. And uh, <laughs> the internet of 1988, which was not very much, which probably not. Yeah. It, it raised flags everywhere. Everyone was on edge uh, from the research that I did. Um, here we go, guys and gal. Question two. What was the total cost of the incident? Warning, there's a very wide variance in the estimates. So we took the average of the lowest and the highest estimates that we could find. Serena. Um, three million. Ernie? Seven million. Okay. Mr. Esposito? Um, I have a clarification question. Is this in 1988? dollars or in 2022 dollars it's in it's in their dollars it's in 1988 dollars yes we can fax them to you if you'd like <laughs> i'm gonna go with eight million mr clabby 
All right, I'm going to go with 10 million. Oh. Oh. Drum roll. Uh, 7 million was the closest answer. The, the, the estimate, um, the average would be about 5 million, $7,500. Serena, you knocked that one yeah. out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, so with, with a little backstory on, on the incident. So Robert was actually, he was attempting to do harmless intellectual computer computing exercises. Um, but there was a mistake in his code. Right, so, right. Yeah, no. his, his code his code instructed the worm to replicate itself regardless of a computer's infection status. So um, it just made it even worse. If the computer was already infected, it was just going to keep infecting and infecting and infecting and infecting until it just turned into a brick. Um, about $5 million worth of damage. Question three. According to Clifford Stoll, how many hours did it take to disinfect each of the infected computers? Starting off with you, Serena. Oh my goodness. Um, like how many hours total or individually for each computer? How many hours of work per computer? 32. <laughs> That's oddly specific. Okay, Ernie. And what I know about old Cliff, Cliff Stoles. <laughs> uh, uh, they used to call him Cliff the Fingers. Uh, because he could type so fast. Uh, uh, I'm going to say seven hours. Seven hours. Okay, we have 32, we have seven. And just for Sorry. clarity, I don't know Clifford Stoltz at all. <laughs> he knows you, though. As he does. He, he does. That's on, Actually, that's on my T-shirt. <laughs> Clifford Stoltz. He's always watching. Always. Uh, I'm going to say 16. 16 hours. Okay, we have 32. I'm going to say 25. 25. Serena, winner, winner. Oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. So Unbelievable. It, 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 it took, it took <laughs> 48 hours to disinfect each of the infected computers. And uh, this is pretty interesting because this whole incident actually prompted DARPA to fund the establishment of the CERT at Carnegie Mellon. And uh, it just created a, a centralized location for incident response to be handled from. Um, and this is all due to this pesky little worm. Yeah, cool. Question four. How many hours of community service did Robert Morris have to complete as part of his sentencing? This is community service in 1988 time. <laughs> he was the uh, first person prosecuted under the uh, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. That's the only reason why I knew 1988. I was going to say, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I, don't other, I don't know any of his other statistics. Miss Serena, how many hours of community 120. service? 120. 120, okay. yeah. 120. Ernie, what do you think? I'm going big, 200. 200 hours. I'm all in. 200. All Push in my, at 200. Yeah. Finally, it's my final answer. I'm going to guess 400. Oh. Well, damn. They should have had him do at least as amount of time as Mr. Stoll did, or Dr. Stoll did in repairing the computers. Uh, 48 per computer. I don't know. 1,000. <laughs> I'm going to go with 1,000. 1,000 hours. On 1,000 hours. On this question, uh, Ted... Congratulations, you nailed it right on the head. Good job, Ted. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Huh? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So, Number one answer. As, 
<laughs> Number one answer, as as Jack highlighted, this did this did result in being the first felony conviction in the U.S. under the 1986 Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Robert Morris did three years of probation in addition to his hours of community service, which were 400, with additional fines of $10,050 uh, plus any additional court costs that had to be paid. After serving his conviction, he returned to Harvard to complete his doctor in philosophy. And uh, Morris is currently a tenured professor of computer science and artificial intelligence at MIT's Electrical Engineering and Computer Science Department. And to add to that, the cherry on top, he's also pretty successful venture capitalist uh, that's involved with uh, technology and artificial intelligence. So he's, he's doing pretty good. Yeah, turned he's his life good. around there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was going down a bad path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. saw the light. We're, we're up to question five. So here it is for all the marbles. How many, and this is, this is a tough one, it's gonna be a curveball. How many propagation vectors did the worm infect through? Can I say all of them? <laughs> Most of them. Most of them. So, most of them. I don't like the label. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't like the labels. I don't, I don't see labels, you know, me. I'm, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right. Well, all so right. propagation vectors, uh, we're, we're looking at total vulnerable points of potential intersection that the worm could have injected itself into to go ahead and spread the malicious code. This was a vicious worm, 1988. All right. Bad code. Oh. I'll, I can start. Six. Mm. Okay. Six. Half dozen. Half, half dozen. Half vectors. dozen. Yeah. Half dozen vectors. Serena? I do not feel confident now because I was just going to say like two million. <laughs> I, I, I was just trying to. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know. Is it, two, it might be two million, Serena. I just wanted to get the ball yeah. rolling. It might be a high number. It might be a high number. It might be a low number. So we got two million. We got six. I'll say one. I'll say 1,028. 1,028. That's a good one. Um, oh, man. it's a lot of open ports. 13. 13. <laughs> Drum roll. It was two. Oh! So <laughs> <laughs> oh what? I thought Way it was off. like per computer. What is the... <laughs> Way off. So we, we had... We had two vectors that the worm could potentially infect through. One of them was through TCP connections, and the second one was through SMTP connections. Um, the worm exploited these vectors and caused havoc. The author originally didn't intend this worm to cause damage. I, I clearly, clearly want to put that out there. It was for research purposes only, although the opposite was a reality. Due to the bugs in the code, this worm caused great amount of damage and the way that it worked is that it exploited vulnerabilities in the Unix, the finger D, the send mail, the remote shell, remote execution, as well as weak passwords. So it found a whole bunch of messaging transport protocols and it pretty much plugged itself in and uh, looked for potential opportunities to exploit uh, deficient code that, that wasn't properly patched or updated at the time. And uh, two vectors, TCP and SMTP. Who won? Who, who won? Who's, who's got our, uh, what's the score? Uh, it, it is a tie currently between Mr. Clabby and Ted. Uh, Serena and Ernie are behind with one each. So <laughs> Coming in at the bottom of the pack. Fair yeah, so. so we got a tie <laughs> at the top and a tie at the bottom. And uh, it's a, it's a anybody can win race right now. 2-1. Uh, uh, I feel um, like it was a, 
a very successful venture. It was. Really <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's really still anybody's that. game out there as I, we I really as we move in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, actually, technically, uh, if I play next week, I'm in last. So um, there's that. You got that going for you. <laughs> and uh, one other thing, uh, a, a small aside on Cliff Stoll. Cliff Stoll is actually a member of the Cyber Florida unofficial Cybersecurity Hall of Fame. Oh, cool. His, his poster is actually up just outside of my uh, my cube. Uh, Cliff Stoll. All right, then. And, uh, yeah, so he, among others. Uh, Steve Wozniak, I think, is in there. Um, yeah. Who's on your wall, Ernie? I got Joe Roachford, Captain U.S. Navy, retired. And yeah. yeah there's, so there's there's some pretty cool people on there. And it's oh, a, cool. If you're ever in the Cyber yeah. Florida offices, I'll, I'll show you around and show you the, the poster of Cliff Stoll, <laughs> our, our <laughs> hero of, of the day. All right. So that brings us to the end of this week's program. Thank you again for joining us. First and foremost, I have to thank my co-hosts, Jack Clabby and Pablo Torres. And a special thank you to our guest, Tasha Denos, who is not only the cyber whisperer, but also the no password required fashion whisperer. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe to the No Password Required podcast. You can find us on social media at no password pod. Send your questions or comments to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. And if you'd like some show swag, just ask and we'll hook you up. I'm Ernie, Ernie Ferraresso, and thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Second Watch. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit our website at cyberflorida.org slash pod. And if you still need more show content, check out our social media at NoPasswordPod.